0: Tavares, Nylander, Marner, and Matthews. We can and and we will. He gets free. Two scores. Matthews. It's now but a pass, a bad one by like Galgenic, has a breakaway. 2 contre 0, Suzuki golfer, golfer Suzuki, Yes, Barry, Kotkin Yemi, and there will be a Game 7. Deja blue again for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How oh, hell did I think that crap? Can't you morons do anything right? Okay, the second Tall or nothing here on the Tall Can. Fuck, that's lame. eh? On the Tall Can audio podcast, Matt Robinson here with you. Just finished watching episode two of the uh, Amazon Prime series on the Toronto Maple Leafs, All or Nothing. And uh, this one, I know I said in the first one, it sort of felt like you're going to be held at a distance here on a couple of things. This felt a lot less like that to me. I think uh, I thought episode two was much better, um, both just in terms of the access that you got, but also... The entertainment value, I want to start here because man, maybe nothing stands out to me more. Um, We don't know exactly when this was filmed. It is somewhere during the season, obviously. But John Tavares has his uncle to his backyard for a conversation. And for those of you who don't know, uh, and they do lay it out for us here on the episode. um, But his uncle John, uh, also John Tavares, is one of the greatest lacrosse players of all time. Um, And very, very well respected in that sport, right? And I guess John, uh, you know, the John Tavares that we know also played some lacrosse as a kid and stuff, but obviously made his name uh, in hockey. But this, this is clearly someone went to John Tavares and said this would be a cool moment. You know, you're a legend or what you're a, you know, a top player in your sport. And we know that your uncle was a top player in his sport. And maybe we could get you guys together to talk about your relationship and how you relate to each other and stuff like that. And man, I just can't imagine anything in the world that John Tavares wants to do less than talk about his feelings and his relationships on, on camera for a series like this, just with what little we know, of, of Taveras and you know, the, his relationship with the media is kind of dull, right? He's kind of bland. Uh, he's a lead by example guy. That's why they made him a captain. He's a great player. All these sorts of things. He's never rude to the media. But you can just tell this isn't his bag, right? He doesn't want to be doing this. And so for someone to go, why don't we have a member of your family over? And we're going to run a camera and we're going to mic you guys up. Let's talk about your feelings. And this whole thing is so awkward. It is just uncomfortable. And... I'm not saying like that that they don't believe what they said to each other again it's not performed but you it this may be so far out of anything we've seen in the first two episodes did feel the most performed just because they were clearly so uncomfortable and so they sort of talk about you know you know John's uh, the Leafs John Tavares is you know talking to his uncle is like you know and I I always had so much respect for you and I always looked up to you and you know his uncle's later telling him you know as you get older and people start thinking that your game is declining, which I think maybe is starting to happen to you in the terms of the way people talk. You go, you don't have to be the greatest player anymore. You don't have to be the best. Like you can just be one of the guys and, and it just, there's, there's something so cringe about it as you go, that's not the way people talk, man. And people don't most often have these sorts of conversations. Um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe these two do, but if they do, it is exactly as cringe and, you know, they, they are just solid as a rock in this thing in terms of the emotion actually coming out in it. Like the whole thing was just hilariously awkward, at least in, in terms of the way I saw it. Um, one of the actual hockey things that I thought was super interesting in this one, um, and it foreshadows sort of some things that have happened as we get ready to start this year is uh, I mentioned in episode one that clearly Kyle Dubas is a very hands-on general manager and that, you know, he and Sheldon Keith talk all the time. Uh, Kyle sits in on some of Keefe's meetings, vice versa. Uh, Kyle doesn't appear to have any qualms about, you know, in season sitting down with players. And I guess Keith's okay with that. And I did reference sort of off the top there in in the first episode here you know, that I can see why that would have been an issue for Babcock or for Dubas. Like the Dubas would have felt like that's not Mike's not going to like that. So I'm not going to do it, even though that's the way I feel like a GM should, you know, uh, operate or Babcock would have just hated Hey, the locker room's mine. The roster is mine. Once you get the players, you know, stay. you can see how that wouldn't have meshed. And it seems like Keefe is fine with it. Like, um, You know, we always talk when we talk about the Blue Jays that uh, Charlie Montoyo isn't the final arbiter on exactly everything that's going to go on on the field. Uh, That the GM and the president, you know, have kind of laid out this is what we'd like to see in this situation. This is how we'd like to do this. And I wonder a little bit as I'm two episodes in if Kyle isn't exactly the same way with Keith here in terms of, you know, you're the front man. You have the say on the bench and stuff but Kyle appears to be very hands-on. And we see that here, uh, in a conversation he has with Ilya Mikheyev and, uh, he brings him in and it was, it was hard to understand exactly what Mikheyev said. Cause he's masked obviously. And he's got the thick Russian accent. And, um, but you know, so it was hard to sort of keep up a little bit as it was flashing across the screen, but, um, you know, Kyle's trying to comfort him. Like you're a good player, you're doing well. And And you can tell that clearly this is stemmed from somewhere because he does reference, even if you're only playing 10 minutes a night, you can make an impact on this team. And, you know, we learned a couple of weeks ago that this past off-season, after the documentary finished shooting, that Mikhail requested a trade out of Toronto, uh, largely based on minutes, and he didn't think he was playing enough. Um, And you can almost sort of see that this is a thing already kind of, like I said, I think we left off after about 15 games in, uh, in episode one, it was right after that 5-1 game to Ottawa. Or the 6-5 game to Ottawa, I guess we should call it. Um, and, you know, you can tell there's something there. Like, he's not really happy. They're not thrilled with him, but they're not unhappy with him. But he, Kyle's clearly trying to lift him up, right? Like, it's going to turn around. You just got to keep kind of pushing. And um, But you can tell Mikheyev isn't really thrilled with how things are going. And not long after this, um, in the next set of game footage that they show us uh, during one of the intermissions, Keith pulls him aside and shows him video. He's like, "See that? See how you stopped? Look at your feet. Like you're not you're not still driving in on the forecheck." Is sort of what he's driving at. Like we need you in the offensive zone to keep skating like you do when you're coming through the neutral zone because he's a really fast player. Uh, and so he's just trying to show him. And and again, McKeever's not saying much, and and maybe you wouldn't have like, but Keith's right on him, like. This is what I need from you. You need to start bringing this for me, and and so that was sort of an interesting moment. But um, all of it based on what we learned this summer, you know, about Mikhaev being unhappy, and so that line that Dubas gives him in this documentary almost kind of seems like where this started. Like they already know he's not happy with his minutes, and Kyle kind of says, even if you're playing ten minutes or twenty minutes, or usually right there in the middle of that, you know, you can make an impact in those minutes, and you know, Mikhaev doesn't look thrilled with with how things are going even at that point. So that was a sort of an interesting um, peek behind the curtain, just based on things we've learned since, right? Uh, Speaking of uncomfortable, like I did about the uh, whole Tavares thing, we get some uncomfortable moments um, on the hockey side as it uh, pertains to Jimmy Vesey. And, um, you know, Keith, we get sort of a, a practice moment right and and there's sort of there's a I think believe there was a scene where Keith and Dubas are talking about VC and like what is he gonna be like he's not really doing anything and so Keith calls him aside a practice and he's talking to him and he's like I how, how do you think you're doing here like how do you think you're impacting the team and he starts to say well you know in the last game I thought I had a I thought I was really going in the first and then struggling he goes, no, no 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 not like one game goes, everybody has good games and everybody has bad games. It just happens. He goes, what is it that you're bringing to this team? Cause I'm not seeing it. And it, it, it's very brutal. Like it's very honest and on the nose. Um, cause you know, you're not really scoring or putting up points. You're not really skating and hitting and, and being solid defensively. Like, I don't know what it is you're bringing to this team right now. And you know, we're running out of time to figure that out. Like there's going to have to be an answer to that very soon. And, And so you can tell VC's backs up a little bit and like not loving what he's hearing. And he sort of makes a couple of, you know, attempts at a half-hearted excuse here or there, but not really. And then, and Keith just says to him, you know what, like we can talk about it. You can, we can, we can argue about it now or you can go and think about it and come back to me tomorrow or, or this can be it. Like that's up to you, but I'm telling you this is a problem because I'm not seeing what it is you bring right now. So it was very on the nose and we see, Um, And it was interesting, I mentioned uh, during episode one that Keith hadn't liked what Austin Matthews had said to the media about um, uh, that they had played it safe. And so obviously, um, uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought here a little bit. Obviously, when that happened with Matthews, Keith had sent him some clips because as Matthews is skating over to have his meeting with him in episode one, He says, did you see the clips? So whether those are clips of them not playing it safe or what he had said to the media, like obviously Matthews already knew what this was about. And Keith says, do you want to fight about it? And Matthews kind of, no, like, but he's, he's willing to just be there and be like, I get that. You're not going to love all of this. So tell me what you, what's on your mind. And he says the same thing to Matthews uh, that he said to VC here in episode two at the end we can keep talking about it or, or you can go and and think about it or sleep on it and come back to me. This doesn't have to be the end of the conversation. I want to hear your side of it too, but here's where I'm at. And so the thing with VC was, was pretty brutal. Like I, you better show me something soon. Cause I'm not seeing anything right now. And within, you know, before the end of the episode, uh, Kyle calls him in, calls VC into his office and says, I'm putting you on waivers. Like I, I, you know, we haven't really found a role for you. We don't really know what you do. Um, And VC is clearly uncomfortable, right? Because as they're going through this, you know, they kind of painted this picture of of VC mania back in 2016 when uh, he wasn't going to sign with Nashville, right? And um, so he goes back to school, signs as an unrestricted free agent with the Rangers. It's a big deal. Like he's coming in with this huge name. The Leafs went on him then trying to get him. And it hasn't ever really turned out you know, that it was worth all the hype. And so, you know, you're sort of seeing this guy who um, hasn't really found a place on this team either. He didn't find a place in Buffalo. Uh, he was all right in New York. Um, but the whole thing, its you can tell they're painting this picture that it's not working in Toronto. So he's this guy who sort of came in with all this hype and he's struggling now. And you can see he's uncomfortable. Like he's never imagined what it might be like to be put on waivers. And he actually says to Kyle Dubas um so do I come to practice tomorrow like I, I don't know what happens now am I out of here am I and Kyle says yeah come to practice and if someone claims you I'll let you know and um you know one of the last things we see in this episode is that Vancouver actually uh actually did claim him so uh, he's out of there um but that was interesting in terms of getting behind the scenes on how difficult some of these conversations may have been and uh, VC doesn't say much to Kyle he just this is okay. Like he's been put on waivers. Do I come to practice? He's yeah. He says, okay. Thank you. Walks out. And again, it's pretty close, right? You're, you're up close to some difficult moments here. We start to learn a lot about Jack Campbell in this episode, as uh, they talk to him quite a bit and kind of show that he is every bit in the room. Um, you know, what, what he's painted to be, right? The genuinely nice guy that all the, the team all loves. And, um, yeah, you sort of see this, uh, um, you know, other side of him in the sense that he's he, he's talking to, I believe this was one we where he was talking to Austin Matthews about, you know, how much he loves his suit and, you know, he's complimenting the guys out on the ice and stuff like that. Like just all the stuff that you sort of imagined was what he was like, it turns out is pretty much dead on and uh, they show him getting the haircut there. The Leafs had brought in this uh, barber because all of this is still taking place while Toronto's locked down, right? So they had permission to bring in a barber into the arena, and he was, like, in the locker room cutting hair on guys. And when Soupy's hairdo comes out, they're all giving him shit on looking like Hollywood and and whatever. So just sort of razzing him and stuff. And then you see the part where he gets hurt at one point, right? And this is where the whole Leaf goaltending thing, remember both him and Freddie at some point get hurt. And uh, there was a game where he played, like, the last three minutes – when you could tell he was clearly hurt and it was a lower body thing, but I don't think they ever told us exactly what it was. Uh, Well, here, because everybody's mic'd up, uh, one of the defensemen comes up to him after he sort of tweaked something and then somebody jumped on him and the Leafs defenseman clear him out and they go, you all right, Soupy? And he goes, I tore my groin, but I'm going to try and finish. And you're like, Jesus Christ, like not pulled, not whatever. He said, I tore it. And he said he felt the pop. He had done it before, so he knew exactly what it was. And he's sort of grinding this out. And uh, at that point, we've also seen that Freddie has hurt his knee at one point. Um, so this all starts to be to the point now Hutch is in playing some games. And this is where they roll into, if you recall, uh, they go out to Edmonton, and play a three-game series against the Oilers and sweep it with three different goalies. And two out of the three of them pitched shutouts um, as everybody started to get hurt again. So Hutch plays the first one, I believe. Maybe Campbell played the first one, uh, got hurt or I got the shutout, excuse me, because he was coming back off being hurt. Then Hutch plays the next one and he gets a shutout and then Freddie comes back. Uh, He only gives up one, but they sweep Edmonton and we start getting to the point where we're winding down this episode and it starts to focus on Keefe again because they are riding high at the point that they had gone into Edmonton for those three games. Um, Edmonton had won a whole pile of games. Edmonton was second in the division um, hottest team in the league, and this was supposed to be this three-game showdown, and the Leafs just rolled them. And so you can tell they're leaving Edmonton feeling pretty pretty good about themselves, and they go to Vancouver uh, for two games and lose them both, and then come home and play Winnipeg for three games, I believe, and the Jets get five of six points. Uh, so they're struggling after, you know, showing them apparently in Edmonton that you're kings of the world, you know, you drop a deuce out in Vancouver and then come home and get rolled by, by the Jets. Uh, Keith's concerned, and and there is another conversation. We started to lay this thread in episode one, but there is another conversation here where he's talking to Dubas and going, we're not good right now. Like, this isn't going very well. And he did say, after the Edmonton series, where they did play great, right, only gave up one goal in three games, he goes that's what it needs to look like. That's what we have to play like. And he does tell him like, that's what a first place team does. And that's what a first place team looks like. So you can tell like, okay, maybe it's turning. Maybe he feels like it's good, but with everything that happens in the next five games, he's just, we're not there. And he he's having that conversation with Dubas. And at one point he and Dubas have the leadership group into the room. So, uh, it was Tavares, Muzzin, Thornton, uh, Matthews and Marner, perhaps, was the whole group. I'm Morgan Riley. Um and you sort of get this feeling for the first time that maybe Joe Thornton, you know, no wonder the teams or the team like players love him and stuff. But he's he's not arguing with the coach. He's not, but he is pushing back on what the coach is saying in terms of you know that it's not going that great right now. And he's like, well, you know, still scoring. We're still getting this and that and He's almost sort of cutting the coach's knees out from him, especially for guys like Matthews and Marner who want to follow Jumbo, right? They clearly loved him. You know, maybe that vibe wasn't great. And it wasn't an intentional, like, undermining of the coaching staff and, like, arguing with them. But you can see how maybe you'd go, hey, you're supposed to be sort of helping us set an example here. And I'm not really thrilled with how this is going. Could you maybe get on board with my message a little? And maybe he just didn't feel it. Maybe he did disagree. But that was sort of an interesting moment. But you can see we've gone from Keith in episode one being sort of worried, but not wanting to come down too hard. And so he just sort of runs it past Spezza and just sort of runs it past Tavares and then lets them kind of deliver the mail or keep an eye on it or, or whatever. Now we're having a meeting with Kyle and the leadership group. And that's sort of where this episode starts to wind down is after those two games in Vancouver and then the three with Winnipeg and they've had this meeting and there's an interesting quote at the end, Keith, where he says, I don't think other teams believe the Leafs are who they are like referring to, yeah, they're sitting in first they they're whatever, but he doesn't believe that other teams see them as a threat, right. Or as a first place caliber team yet, uh, which is interesting because clearly he doesn't really either. Like you're getting these wins and maybe this does lend a little credence to the people who said the North division wasn't very good. um, you know it had a bunch of high scoring players but it didn't have a ton of great defense um you know we could relitigate that sometime but you know he does sort of say i don't believe other teams believe us yet and and he clearly doesn't either right like he's concerned uh, i think he believes still at this point that they can be you know if this is what we can do at whatever 70 80 85 90% of our best you know, maybe there is a chance that we could still turn this into being what we want to be. But he's concerned, and you can see that concern growing. Like I said, in episode one, it's just a message to one or two players. Now it's a conversation with Kyle and and it leads to calling in the whole leadership group. So you can sort of see concern growing here as they go, which was uh, I thought it was pretty interesting, um, especially if this is a narrative that they're going to weave through this entire um, series. Uh, He also sort of indicates he doesn't like being in first place because it's positive reinforcement to what the guys think and not to what he thinks, right? I mean, we're in first place. How bad can we be? And he's just sort of been like, well, we're not bad, but there's things creeping in here, things I'm a little concerned about. So he doesn't love that they're in first place with all these bad habits. I think that was, uh, there's some interesting stuff with Willie, um, where they sort of litigate the. The whole argument that everyone has had for a very long time, and even Dubas, he kind of goes, um, yeah, there are moments you know, where he's kind of frustrating, and then moments where he does things that no one else on earth can do. Um, so he does sort of understand the debate that goes on about Nylander. Shanahan backs up right away. He goes, he's a special player. Like I think he's a little misunderstood, but uh, Shanahan rushes to his defense right away, even while Kyle's kind of willing to go, oh, I didn't love his last kind of two games or whatever, but you know, that sort of acknowledges he's one of those types of players, I guess. Um, Never in terms of effort or the things that a lot of people like to rip him for, but just some of the the plays he makes at certain times and and things like that. So I don't know if that's going to grow or not. They didn't touch a ton on it, but um, there was some reports. uh, There were some reports before this came out that Nylander didn't love, or at least the Nylander camp, right? His agents and stuff didn't love the way he was painted in this. Um, whether they're referring to this moment, I don't know. Cause to me, it didn't seem all that bad, like all that critical, uh, other than Dubas acknowledging that, yeah, sometimes you need a little bit more or, or whatever. But like I said, Shanahan was on the other side of it going, no, like he's fantastic player. He's great. We love him. And, um, so that was a little interesting if Nylander and his camp didn't love the way he was portrayed in this thing, um, it must be, in my opinion, it must be for something later because this, to me, seemed reasonably harmless. They do interview Nylander and he he even addressed, he goes, there are people out there who hate the way I play. And he goes, I can't worry about that. I, I just got to do my thing and um, that's part of playing in Toronto, he says. So uh, that's where they leave us at the end of episode two. Uh, they had swept the Edmonton series, lost two to Vancouver and lost two out of three to Winnipeg. So I guess we're probably midway through the season here with uh with three episodes to go and so um you know we'll see what's coming next uh they I know there at some point is some trade deadline coverage that would probably stand a reason that might be coming up in episode three um and then maybe the final stretch in episode four in the playoffs in episode five I believe is how it laid out so uh we'll stay on these like I said this one was far more interesting to watch just for the cringe humor the Tavares thing uh, the way Jimmy v c was handled, and then obviously waved out to Vancouver. Um, this one was this one was fascinating. i I really enjoyed watching this one a lot more than than episode one, which I did enjoy as well. Like I didn't hate episode one, but I was sort of take it or leave it. This one was much more interesting uh, in my mind. So hopefully that continues, and we're gonna continue to build here. And yeah, uh, I did reference in episode one that uh, that Dubis and Keith were sort of the stars of the show in episode one that I would say did continue in episode two. So it looks like they're kind of going to be the guys leaned on most to, uh, to have these conversations. So if you haven't checked it out, um, and you're into such things, I, I would recommend it. It's been interesting so far. And like I said, this one was much better than the first one. So keep that in mind if you're going to check it out. But, uh, I guess we will be back or I will be back on uh, Tuesday at noon for episode three of tall or nothing. And, uh, I'll see you then. Peace.